coming to you from the Strings and Things studio in Ventura, California. I'm Karen. I'm Katie. And I'm Anne. Yay, and this is the Strings Unraveled Book Club. How's it going? It's going good. Cool. What are you working on, Ann? Uh, I've got some hot green something I in your do. hand. Yeah, the color is called Neon Green. Whoa. Whoa. That's a very Whoa. exciting name. It's a Kelborn Wooling called Perennial. The yarn. Uh-huh. I am working on the fifth book of 52 Weeks of Socks from Lane Magazine. Oh, cool. I am not committing to making all 52. It would be interesting to do a pair of socks a week. That would be a lot of knitting. It would be. Yeah. But we'll see. I did finish week one in week one. Okay. Uh, so this is the, the second sock. It's by Natalia Vasilieva. Okay. And it's a great book. I treat, I've always wanted this book, but it's a hardbound book that's like $50. Uh-huh. And they reissued it in a softbound. Oh, nice. Nineteen ninety nine. That's awesome. So I'm excited about it. Uh, this yarn is delicious. Cool. And it is a fun, beautiful color. That is a good color. I saw somebody outside wearing boots um, with like bright green socks underneath. <laughs> and I was like, that looks cute. So yeah, I approve. I would approve of that as well. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be able to join that person. There's when I saw I've seen people with like those. You just said it. The cl- are you talking with the clear? The clear ugly boots. I'm not, but yeah, I have seen those. I kind of want those. I want those just if I have really nice socks to show off. Because, <laughs> you know, if, I, if I'm if i going to wear those boots, they're going to completely cover everything of my really cool socks. Yeah. Um, what, what are you working on, Katie? I am working on Halu, or Hal- I don't know how you say it. I'm saying Halu. Um, it's a Caitlin Hunter pattern. And, <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'm working on the neckline ribbing. The yarn is Pearl Soho Goodwool in the color Wild Mustard. I like that yarn, and that color is great. Yeah, I last time I bought this yarn, it was only in natural colors, so I was excited when I looked it up that they had it in non-natural colors, too. Um, um, so does is that in your range of yellows? What do you mean? Because it, it reads as like a golden brown to me. Yeah. Does it read as a yellow to you? would say it's um, I yeah I would categorize it as a yellow it's definitely a mustard like a a it's what it is like a stone ground mustard Mm -hmm. yeah like wild mustard like the plant I think is a pretty good uh, not like the French's American mustard that's like the color of my stitch markers wallpaper paste (laughs) yeah I mean I like it in certain applications yeah wallpaper paste mustard but I just started the neckline ribbing. I'm excited to get to the lace. So, so it's the same um, neckline-ish as Easy V. It's like exactly the same. I think she just plugged in lace instead of <laughs> color work in the yoke. Um, um, it looks like a fun neckline to make. Yeah, it's it's going pretty quickly, um, which is awesome. So, Karen, what are you working on? I am making a match to my first Marilla mitt. Woo! Second mitts in <laughs> And I'm on the thumb. So I've already done the fingerless mitt portion and the convertible top, and now I'm on the thumb. You're practically done. I'm practically done. I took it to Disneyland, and I worked on it at Disneyland a little bit. Did (laughs) it rain on you in Disneyland? Not much. I mean, it was pouring in Fillmore. Yeah, when I looked the the day before, it was like only a 5% chance in Anaheim, and we had sunny skies, and 
I thought it'd be cold, so I had layers upon layers of which I always, I always, the first thing we do when we get in, I always uh, rent a, a little locker because I know I want something, I want a jacket at the end of the, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be dragging it around all day. Right on. I mean, when we had little ones in strollers, we could shove a bunch of stuff <laughs> So much stuff in those strollers that they would tip backwards a little bit. So. I have been there. <laughs> My strategy is usually not to bring a sweatshirt, so I have an excuse to buy something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And spend $70 on a sweatshirt. <laughs> okay. In the past, when we've gone, I've been very, very disappointed because they hardly even carried one single XLs, much less beyond. But this time, they had multiple number XL. And I'm like, okay, well, that is really nice. But I didn't like anything well enough to spend the money on it. Yeah, I thought for sure, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I, I went there with an idea. I, I, I like a sweatshirt or a hoodie. And if I found one I liked, I would fork over the bucks. And I almost bought one the first time because they had all because they still had the Christmas stuff up. So mm-hmm. all, they had the Christmas sweater sweatshirts. But I'm like, oh, if I get this right away when we first walk in, then I'm, then I'm done. So I'll right. wait, and by the end of the night, I talked myself out of it. So oh, that's not fun. But in the meantime, uh, it was nice. We usually for Christmas or my birthday. Usually for birth, my birthday, my oldest takes me, and he and I go together, just the two of us. Um, so I got to. He and I had drinks at the star at the bar in Star Wars. I know oh. there's a name, and I'm not nerdy enough to really know the name <laughs> yeah. properly. But I I had the really cool stuff with the alcoholic peach foam. Yum. It was delicious, and I only had the one because that's dangerous. To because you cannot taste the alcohol, but it was almost as good as the peach bellini sake I'd had I before. I never drunk at Disneyland. You never had the opportunity to until no. recently. Oh, is that a thing? Yeah, there was yeah. no alcohol until yeah. recently. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, this sounds real fun. <laughs> you <laughs> can in California Adventure, yeah. but you couldn't at Disneyland. No. For a long so what's time. interesting is if you make a reservation and you pay extra, then you could sit at a booth. If you're just a walk-in, or even if you have a reservation but you don't pay extra, then it's standing at the table, at standing at these tall tables that you share with one or two other groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was really interesting having strangers try to make conversation. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't really like that. But but you're so it's they're not really very big tables, yeah. so they're just enough to have um, an appetizer, which was great and. Uh, we were there when the DJ when DJ Rex came on and did his little spiel. You know the little one from Star Tours. Yeah. Well, since he's no longer in Star Tours, he's now a DJ. How <laughs> cute! And it's I'm really glad cute. they took his pilot's license away. It yeah. terrified me. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of scary as a DJ too. He gets a little shocked. <laughs> and we were waiting for the part where, if the the boot the they've got tanks with creatures in them, that at some point, you know so the. They're supposed to have like a little light supposed to flash supposed to be like a short a power shortage. The bartender's supposed to bang on something and all the tanks come alive. Mm-hmm. But that didn't didn't happen. Aww. But it was a great time. That's fun. Cool. So anyway, so I was working on my Marilla mitts because it's a small project. And when I first got through security, got to security, she's like, "Oh, knitting needles." I'm like, "Knitting needles are allowed, <laughs> but just to show you, these are small." Yeah, because <laughs> I have like the really small shorty, the shagu shorty twists. So I'm like, I'm you're not gonna be able to stab anything with this with something that's only like six inches long. Oh my gosh, <laughs> and flexible. We live in. Yeah, I mean, anyway. they should be afraid of knitters, but 
no, they should be afraid of knitters that don't have knitting. Yeah. Because that's when I'm not patient. Right. So anyway. Cool. Oh, those are turning out real cute, Karen. There you go. All right. What did we read this month? We read The Book Woman's Daughter by Kim Michelle Richardson. Okay. I like her right at the beginning because her name is spelled correctly. Michelle with one L. With one L. Yeah. Are there two L's in a Michelle? Oh, After some the majority some of Beatles. Beatles. Oh, majority. <laughs> some people. <laughs> the the Beatles misspelled Michelle in my Michelle. And from then on, people started spelling it with two L's. The appropriate French spelling is one L. Oh, yeah. Because huh. it's the feminization of Michelle. M-I-C-H-E-L. Well, I have some interesting information. I did a little research into the author. And um, what's really interesting, because she has a connection to the story. Yep. Uh, well, first of all, before I do that, I should probably talk, uh, just tell people a little bit about yes, this what particular Yes, where's our length and length, what is lengthy length? synopsis? Okay. <laughs> From the back of the book. In the ruggedness of the beautiful Kentucky mountains, Honey Lovett has always known that the old ways can make a hard life harder. As the daughter of the famed Blueskin Troublesome Creek, Pack horse librarian, Honey and her family have been hiding from the law all her life. But when her mother and father are imprisoned, Honey realizes she must fight to stay free or risk being sent away for good. Picking up her mother's old pack horse library route, Honey begins to de- deliver books to the remote haulers of Appalachia. Honey is looking to prove that she doesn't need anyone telling her how to survive, but the route can be treacherous and some folks aren't as keen to let a woman pave her own way. If Honey wants to bring the freedom books provide to the families who need it most, she's going to have to fight for her place and along the way learn that the extraordinary women who run the hills and hollers can make all the difference in the world. So one of the things I, I was looking into the author and, and since reading this book, I did, I have start, just like today started the the book that, that came before this one. They I like that they reference each other, the Right. Second one references is the first one book, which is book. the Book Woman of Troublesome Creek, but it's a, it gets a standalone book. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have one to enjoy the other. Right, I really, I appreciated that too. I didn't feel like I was missing out from any other part of the story. So what's interesting about the author is that as a child she was placed in a Kentucky orphanage, Saint Th- Thomas Vincent Saint Saint Thomas Saint Vincent Orphan Asylum. <laughs> Great name. In 2004, she and her sisters, along with 40 other plaintiffs who had lived in the institution run by the Sisters of Charity Order and the Roman Catholic Church, sued for damages suffered through um, abuse by their caretakers from the 1930s to the 1970s. And she recounted her experiences um, in her memoir, The Unbreakable Child, which I think was going to be another book on my on my um, list. But I thought it was really interesting that she has a personal connection yeah. to the the people of this area and she has a pdf um 24 22 page long pdf of um book not just book selections but also there's recipes from that area mocktails and cocktails and um just a little more information about about her and why it's important to her like um 
I had to look up blue skinned and what oh, blue skinned. Okay, had to keep looking that up and looking it up and looking it up and looking it up because like mostly you get when you Google it, you get this guy who took um, he took um, colloidal silver to show <laughs> that it turns people. He did it like as a PSA to show oh. people that it turns you blue and you don't go back. And he was doing it as like a deterrent. Okay, and he's I've taken it, blue. but I don't take that much. Yeah, well, <laughs> he turned as blue as like a smurf and um you have to like kind of look 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 because there's like hardly any representations of the blues of kentucky yeah which she taught i was so grateful at the end of the audiobook there is like a her telling her story a little Mm -hmm. bit and that like she's like she also was looking everywhere for picture representations of this group of people yeah so these when they talk about blue skinned they're talking about like Ordinary, ordinarily, when people blush or, you know, they say he got red in the face, you know, when when we experience strong emotions, the blood cells come to the surface. But with people with, I forget the, the name. Do you remember? Mesothelioma. I got to look it up. Okay. Well, you look it up. I'll keep talking about it. Um, what happens is. Meth- okay. Methomoglobinemia. There's a lot of iron i believe or no what is it something it you something... have a certain red blood cell or you have a certain blood cell that doesn't carry and by having too much of it you doesn't um, carry as much oxygen mm-hmm. in the blood that's what it is so when they feel when people who have this feel like a strong emotion their hands turn cold and face and lips turn cobalt blue i think her mom like always appeared blue is what mm-hmm. I was getting from the story. And she only had like spotty in her hands. Some people have it more than others. Some people outgrow it. And they talk in reading, starting the first book, which is the story of her mother and how her mother came to be. Um, and a little bit of it's references honey. And, you know, when she's a little, but I haven't figured out her connection yet. Cause it's, they're not, direct kinship right right my first mother and my first father in yeah this book. yeah i know um, i was hoping the first book tells us th- how they do how Blewett got to be her mom it does and it talks about how how they got the name Blewett. although they, they talk about this that, in this book too I'm, okay i'm feeling like there's gonna be like this really rich connection to some of these good characters yeah. in this book yeah very much so um but they're considered coloreds and just like black people of that time period who were not allowed to be certain places, they will, they will physically harm and try to kill you. There's a preacher that whose job is it is to hunt down the blues because he thinks that they're an abomination from Satan. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty awful. Um, for the, it's not, it doesn't, I don't think they're pain in pain. They don't feel, they don't, um, people who have this condition are not in any discomfort other than the social anxiety and and the social issues that happen because of I it. Say, until um, Honey's mother is imprisoned, I don't think she had any pain. But after that, I think she was in a lot of pain. But not not because of being blue, no. but because of um, the mistreatment yep. that happened to her while she was there. Okay. Um, this is also during a section of Kentucky where it is a very violent bloody coal mine coal mine wars um, where people were sent into the coal mines and um, 
you know, when they people that old song where you owe your soul to the company store, a lot of that happens too. Um, anyway, so I like she, um, she does talk about the um, let's talk about let's get into the questions. <laughs> okay, you didn't ask me what I thought of the book. What did you think about the book? I loved it. It was so good. So good. I it was so good. Did I you want to really, read it? Go back book, a second time. Best book of 2023. Ah. <laughs> but really, 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 I really like I this book. Of the I books might... I've picked, this might be one of my better picks. Ooh. You picked some good ones, but this one was very and good. And I picked some, some more. Some... We've all picked some stinkers, Karen. Some stinkers. <laughs> but this one, this one, this I very good. loved, I got so invested in all of the characters, including the donkey, the mule, uh. the mule. <laughs> Oh, I can't even think of her name. Oh, I'll get it's to it. Ginya. Which, yeah. Who Ginya. Is, yeah, Ginya. I, I don't know. It's the female the apostle. It was, it, there's supposedly a hint at a female apostle, which it's true. I I know that there are hints that there was a female apostle. Like everyone was. Um, but maybe, maybe. You know, told to go out. So maybe the information about that female apostle. Is in this next book. Is, no. Oh. Is not in the Bible as we know it. But you know how like there's there's a there's a there's books that were not put in the standard yeah, that's Bible a Catholic thing though the apocryphal books so I doubt that the Kentuckians are <laughs> there. Well, she, she well the the author grew up in a Roman Catholic orphanage. That's true. That so true. you know, and her Did mother. You, can I see how Ginya's writing? Because I've been wanting to Google this go. the whole time. There but um... I actually have the physical book as well as the audio. So Junya. It's like the word, like J U N I A. That's how I, that's how I imagined it. Junia, the first woman apostle. There's a book about it. Oh, Romans sixteen seven. So it is in the accepted Bible. Romans sixteen seven. Okay, I'm yeah. gonna have to look that up. Okay, so one of the first questions she has in her thing is interesting. Discuss the types of circumstances in which a child or parent would ask for a declaration of emancipation. Um, oh, I still didn't go over kind of what happened. The no. the basic synopsis. Oh, just jump right in. Well, you, okay. you read the back of the book. I right? read the back of the book. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's so much. I know it's my cho- my book choice, but can can you give the basic synopsis? Okay, yeah, please to. do it. I would love yeah, to yeah, yeah. the book report. Okay. Okay. So, poor sweet honey, which it took me a little while because this is set in the South to understand that. Even though she does introduce herself, but you know when you're listening to the audiobook, you're not always like keeping up with those details. Mm-hmm. It took me a while for the, me to understand that they were calling her Honey because that's her name and not because it's the South. <laughs> yeah, uh, bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so uh, Honey, uh, it opens on her escape from the law because her parents are about to be um, arrested for violating miscegenation laws. Which I didn't have a grip on exactly what was happening with her and her mom suffering from this genetic disorder or, or genetic marker, honestly, because it's not much of a disorder. It doesn't it doesn't keep them from functioning in life except through people's bigotry. Um, misogynation laws are preventing the mixing of colors. So that meant that the blues of Kentucky were not allowed to marry outside of or to mix with any other colors of people. Um, or even have, if the law had their way, they wouldn't they wouldn't have children whatsoever. Yeah, which this 
this um, disorder did proliferate because of intermarrying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but that's not going to always be the case as a genetic marker. Anyway, so her parents are preparing to face the law and they do not want the law to get their hands on her because she would go to a work camp until she is 21 years old if she is caught. And up to this point, they don't. the law doesn't really know that she exists yeah. yet. There's yes. just rumors. Her mother has carefully hidden because um, Honey only shows this um, trait in her hands. Um, so she is running from the law. Her parents get picked up. She spends a little time hiding from um, the law and a social worker who wants to send her to the work camp um, with her family and like her extended family of friends. Uh, There's a moonshiner, Dangerous Jim. Uh Yeah. And um, and then her 91 year old surrogate grandmother, whose name is Loretta or Retta. Retta. Okay. So. Retta agrees to be her guardian. They go to court to get her guardianship. The 91-year-old lady shames the judge into (laughs) acknowledging that Loretta would be a good guardian. And I can't wait in the other book because I'm sure he's mentioned. Oh, yeah. um, Because what we learn of him in this book um, is I'm sure he's a feisty child in in the first book. Um, Retta wins the guardianship. And um, our dear sweet honey thinks she's safe. Honey goes home with Retta. Retta dies. (laughs) Retta is experiencing heart failure and there's nothing to save her. And she dies within like a week. Yeah. Right. All right. So now Honey is without a guardian and hiding from the law again. She uh, finds that the library is reviving the pack, pack mule library program pack horse pack horse library, library. program mm-hmm. which had been a wpa project which her mother had done um, her mother was a valued part of the community bringing literacy throughout rural areas of kentucky um we have a riveting moment of um the her mom's boss is like well i think this other girl wanted to but then she couldn't i think this other girl wanted to but she can't because she can't even ride a horse and ultimately our girl honey gets the job Honey starts disseminating um, literature. I skipped something important. Honey meets Pearl right as she's escaping from the law. Honey spends the day taking care of Pearl and getting Pearl to her fire lookout. <laughs> Who is she's okay? So she's the first female to they they're up in this giant tower. And their job is, and there's a radio up there, and their job is to look out for for fires that mm-hmm. can spark from lightning or from people going off in the woods and not putting out the campfire. And the, and she got the job um, by beating out a couple of local guys who are not happy about that. Yep. And when, uh, you know, but she's extremely qualified. So there, she 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 actually her position. She has a, a degree or yes. something in this. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's what I, I I have to pause there because Honey has just been ripped apart from her family. Yeah. She runs into Dangerous Jim, and he's like, "I'm showing Pearl to her place," and Honey just takes over, guiding her to. <laughs> it's on this super traumatic day. And, uh, you know, side note, they become friends, and that's an important part of the story. All right, our girl lost her guardianship. She goes on her, she starts her job. 
she meets this t- sad woman who is clearly a battered woman. Mm-hmm. Her son has fallen down the well. Honey uses Jinya, her mule, to help save this child. <laughs> she climbs in the well and she saves little Johnny. Uh, and agrees to start bringing uh, library material. Okay, uh, we've got the saving. Honey's doing her job. In the meantime, she also has a lawyer. The lawyer he was is trying, trying to, to get her a new guardian. New guardian. And then on Honey's, while Honey's out doing her job, she finds an old newspaper that mentions the idea of an, being an emancipated minor. And I was boggled by the idea that our heroine, at just barely turning 16 years old, she's bringing the legal strategy to her lawyer. <laughs> Granted, emancipated minors are, are not, they're still a rare thing. And maybe it just was so rare it wasn't going to come up for him. But well, she brings the legal strategy. <laughs> she's a female being represented, a young female being represented by a lawyer who, who, who and kind of pro bono. He's not really, is he getting paid? Well, or? I'm sure he, he's an appointed lawyer. He's an, Oh no! It's someone from the family. It's not. No, he's it's not, not appointed. Not someone from the court. Um, from what I understand, so I'm not sure. It's something. Something his her parents were able to make arrangements for. Yeah, because her parents are perfectly upstanding, hardworking people. They're hardworking, but they had already gotten in trouble with the law before when they first got married, and so they were hiding because it because of the laws, and the law just caught up with them. Yep. Um, in the meantime, they'd been hiding the hiding this girl and homeschooling her and teaching her. Um, her the mother had a faith of sorts and um, was that's why the Bible was very important to her. Who else was in? The, okay, oh, besides the okay, besides the ninety year old guardian, the ninety year old guardian had a son. I just want to say real quick. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes we read these books, and each of us have come back and been like. And I think this is a common, I think you say this more often than anyone, Katie. Mm. I kept waiting for something to happen and nothing happens. Like what was happening in this book, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like a laundry list of a day in the life or something like yeah. that. This book was so action packed. <laughs> like oh. one thing happens and you think, okay, now we're going to go on to the like idyllic part of her life. No, there was nothing there ideal. No rest for trauma honey to and the people around her. <laughs> okay, so which uh, guardian? They're looking for a new guardian. Um, she's doing her job. She develops this beautiful friendship with Pearl. Are any of the questions going to lay out? Because we don't need to get into super hyper detail of each step. Um, or I could. They're more, okay, the, the questions are more about how is this related? Let's, the, here's this topic that, that, that they touch on and let's ask okay. more about it. So, so along the way, she meets. The other female characters. I'm going I'm, I'm Go to interview ahead. from her. Yeah. So, Grandma, what's her name? Letta, uh, Retta. Retta. Yeah. Retta, who is as sweet as can be. Has a son. Was not in great condi- condition. Has a good-for-nothing son who has no honor. He's not. He doesn't mean to be a bad person, but he just is, like, kind of aimless in his life. And he doesn't honor his mother. His her mother. I think he's the kind of son that she's. It's not her son. It's not her son. He's a nephew. Oh, so the nephew. So Retta he's a relative. Was also a surrogate parent for Alfonso. Oh, okay, Alfonso? but I think that's right. Whatever his name is, and um, when but she she had set it up as that verbally verbally <laughs> that 
the house was supposed to go to um to honey to honey but of course not only no no sooner does she does she die but the son sells it off i mean the, the nephew sells it off for hardly anything and she comes home to find from her route to find people living in her space yep already yep so um good for nothing makes her homeless and she goes back to her house because she was afraid to go to her house because she's afraid the law would find her there um so they they figure that after retta was made her guardian that she nobody's going to be looking for her to be a guardianless minor so um she's going i, I want to because the next things that happen are because she meets these other people she meets mm-hmm. bonnie who's okay. a female minor a widow a, a minor's widow who becomes a minor who has a little baby and grandma watches him during the day bonnie that's mm-hmm. bonnie um and the uh, the male minors hate her because there's a ringleader then we have what is her name her name is weird gillis what, what's k mrs gillis mrs gillis yeah she's johnny's mom she's the beaten down housewife with the son who falls down the well then we have um is it emma is the medicine woman oh the traveling nurse no no that's amara okay because so they... i might be mixing them up so that's so something amara else... yeah. is a frontier nurse who frontier. witnesses mrs gillis being beaten and knows that honey saved the boy mm-hmm. and knows that mr gillis is a good for nothing guy labelle guy labelle how do you how is that one spelled g-u-i-l g-u-y-l-a guy la guy labelle I'm pointing it out in the book. Guy LaBelle. Okay. Like Guy with La. Guy La. It's a real special name. Yeah. <laughs> Rolls right off the tongue. Uh, okay. Who's next? Oh, then there's a little girl, Renna, who has a rooster named Tommy, who <laughs> follows her around and protects her. I love that rooster. That rooster's mean. That rooster is a hero. Is a hero. Uh, then there is Francis, who is Honey's... Um, kind of love interest it's the first boy who's shown interest in her and well from what i understand they grew up together and francis francis is not the one with the girl with the girlfriend who's that's carson oh carson carson is is the okay the dangerous jim's dangerous jim dangerous jim is a moonshiner so he cannot really come out and speak up for her because he will put his own livelihood yeah (laughs) livelihood yeah uh francis is a nice boy who likes her and then what is gillis's first name uh i'm still looking it up so mr gillis who i'd rather call other names is our antagonist one of our one of honey's antagonists and the brother to the other who missed out on that for robbie is employed by the forestry service He's another lookout. Oh, Robbie wanted to get Gillis the job. Job, that's right. And he, and yeah. they do all kinds of awful things to try to burn her out yes. and make her leave. So, uh, synopsis. It's a synopsis, right? Uh, mm-hmm. so our girl, Honey, is without anyone to care for her in the world. 
she's working hard to show that she can be an emancipated minor and she has this bad man in town who is hurting women everywhere yeah and she suspects has murdered or done something bad to his wife and he has also tried to murder her and her best friend pearl and then hilarity ensues wait no it's not funny it's all tears (laughs) uh so all of those trials and tribulations happen on the day of her emancipation hearing a tommy bonnie has made friends with tommy the rooster bonnie gets (laughs) tommy the rooster to attack gillis i love tommy the rooster literally tears gillis to shreds he loses an eye he gets an infection and that is the opportunity glorious payback so um her emancipation hearing gets uh postponed and honey is able to she tells her lawyer what she thinks has happened to gillis Mm -hmm. to mrs gillis and the lawyer gets the um, law not the sheriff because the sheriff is gillis's cousin yep and they go and harry gillis harry harry gillis is our our monster villain okay so the lawyer gets the law to come and search the house for Mrs. Gillis because she just thinks that Mrs. Gillis is in the house hurt. Mrs. Gillis um, is actually in the same well that almost claimed her son. And because he, 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 he threw her in the well and he cemented over the well. And our girl, Honey, has to identify Mrs. Gillis at the bottom of the well. And Honey realizes that Johnny has seen her, his father murder Mrs. Gillis. And Johnny is also a hero because he tells other grown-ups, mm-hmm. Mommy, well, you save Mommy from the well? He tells the grown-ups that his mommy Because he well. remembers Book Omen helped me. Yeah. <laughs> Book Woman <laughs> saved him from the well, which he also told other grown-ups. So there are people who can cooperate her good deeds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perry dies. Yay! Yay! No, and there is no one who is who was sad no about sad. that. So now she's alleviated her fears that he's going to come out and try to burn Pearl down from her, her, her lookout again. She is no longer afraid he's going to try to murder her in the streets. She is no longer afraid that the little girl and her rooster are in danger. And Bonnie, who I feel like it gets hinted, I mean, he is physically assaulting Bonnie, but I feel like some other things have happened in the mine. Oh, yeah. Under Bonnie's, um, under the leadership of Perry Gillis, he is a ringleader to make the other men hurt Bonnie in the well, in the, in the mines. After Perry is gone, the miners are nice. Or, I don't know if they're ever nice. <laughs> he was the... He was the real catalyst for, not catalyst, he was the real instigator for the bad behavior. And he, his, he gave them courage to behave badly because, and he kind of egged them on without him to, to take all the attention. They would be responsible for their bad, own bad behavior. So they kind of back. Also, they kind of got afraid of Bonnie because she, because she got Tommy to kill Perry. (laughs) Yeah. Any woman who can. Who can convince? Uh, they 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 they're so afraid that she's going to sick the rooster on them. Well, our little girl Renna, who's probably what like six or seven, mm-hmm. she learns the call rooster calls that the other birds make, 
and she makes a call that the author's describing as hens in trouble. Mm-hmm. And that is what launches Tommy into his um, deadly attack. There's one other female that we forgot. Doctor's wife. Oh, I love Doctor's wife. Her love language is food. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes. And and she understands English perfectly, but she chooses not to speak English and she only speaks Swedish back to people. <laughs> yes. It's a weird it's a weird marriage because he doesn't speak her language. He's... No, but she understands him perfectly. Yeah. Which I have to say, as a language learner, I understand a lot of Spanish, especially if someone speaks mm-hmm. slowly to me, but I'm not confident to speak it back. So that's my point of view is I'm not confident to speak it back. The doctor says that she doesn't want to. <laughs> it's just so interesting. There's a point where she is actually staying with the doctor because for a day or so because yeah. it's just too long a drive to get they need his testimony for something or no he's going to help her go visit her parents yeah he's going to examine mom and it's too far for her to go home and come back because it's a multi-hour trip he has a car well when he has a car and he stays in a really nice he i mean she's from the hills in old old houses where you the air you can see through the cracks you know to the space underneath the house and he's living in basically a mansion. She's in a room all to herself with its own, you know, chamber pot. It's like, wow. Ooh. <laughs> that's, that's something I enjoyed, too, because my mom was born in rural Minnesota in a time where people did have flush plumbing mm-hmm. and stuff. But they didn't because they were in a little cabin in the woods of Minnesota, much like was being described. Um, so the idea of someone not being up to date in contemporary, um, modernizations, mm-hmm. cause this is 1952, 53. Mm-hmm. So like she shouldn't have necessarily had to have a chamber pot. Like what you're describing is he probably just lived in like a nice townhouse. A nice know? townhouse compared to the outhouse that, I mean, they yeah. wouldn't, have, um, the, because I don't believe that Reda's house had, I mean, there's no electricity. They still had oh, no, candelabras. So. Yeah. I love this little, um, towards the end, um, he says, uh, you're welcome to join me for supper. Millie left me more than enough because she had packed a, a meal for them to go on their trip to the to go see her folks. Obliged, but I'd like to get home before dark. I couldn't wait to get out the door and read Mama's letter, find out more about her job. Wait, honey, Millie would dish me up a sinner's funeral if I left you here without feeding you. (laughs) I like that. He turned and walked down the foyer toward the kitchen and in a moment returned with a poke. I'm not sure what a poke is. It's a bag. She explained some of, she tried not to do over too much vernacularization, Mm -hmm. but she, there were words she couldn't like not use. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it's, oh, yeah, so we'll talk later. And ultimately, after all of this. The doctor helps her mom to get early release. Mm-hmm. She gets to be a librarian while she's in prison. She And she's meant to come home in the fall of that year. Uh, she, he makes it so that she can communicate and gets proper medical care. And um, in the end of it all, we finally get the emancipation hear- uh, hearing. Mm-hmm. Our girl, Honey, she does something that lawyers are supposed to do. She presents precedents. Oh, yeah. And she talks of the other young man in their county who got emancipated at 14. Uh, and our fantastic judge. First, he lets the bad guy say all these horrible things and impugn Honey's character. And he gives them a lot of liberty. 
he overrules our good lawyers um objections mm-hmm. and just lets the state present their case in wild hearsay and misrepresentation of the facts and then he gives honey's lawyer the same freedom to do so and honey's lawyer is able to gather some character witnesses who portray her true actions of her hero her heroism her um, steadfastness the service she does to the community and then he gives us the ruling and she is emancipated and it's a little touch and go because at some point he says i'm inclined not to emancipate her the back of the book has pictures oh i'm gonna have to look at those um and then at the end the lawyer gets up and says how her mother changed his life Mm. by sharing hardy boy mysteries with him and that gave him the sense that he wanted to work in the law and it completely changed his life and set the course of his life as it is now and she's emancipated and he asked for the new hardy boys book (laughs) yeah i didn't like the author did such a great job job of making you really not like that judge yeah until until you realize okay he's he's given this isn't gonna be fair it's not gonna be fair he's kind of giving the the wrong side the bad side i don't know enough rope to that the, yes. for them to hang themselves exactly with. so exactly. yeah um this i loved every minute of this book even though some of it was really hard to get through because you're just so sad and worried for her and she's just such a nice, truly nice kid um, faced with adversities that no one should have to get through. But did she just keeps facing life and solving her problems the best she can. Did you talk about the head librarian? No. A little bit. She's, she's, another... she's, she's important, but she's not one of our heroines. No, she's not. She's not. <laughs> I mean, she is. She I will tell you that whatever you think about her in this book... You will not like her in the first book. I had that. She in, must have that. She is not a good person in the first book, but something must ha- happen that makes gives her a change of heart. Yes. So I don't know what that is yet. Honey insinuates that that um, she did not get off. Miss Forster. Good, yes, Honey did. Honey's mother did not get off to a good start with Miss Forster. Um, but at the end, by the end, they're good friends, and she changes Miss Forster. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure this book, the other book, is probably just even more rot. Yeah, because she wears her blue on her face, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, um, there's all this character development that's happened, even though this book stands on its own very well, Mm -hmm. where, you know, like people had a real arc to get where they are today. (laughs) So I will ask a couple of questions. So if you get the physical copy of the book and I just have the physical paperback. In fact, I got I got the book woman's daughter first and then I went now I'm back in getting the 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 book woman of troublesome creek but it's neat because they have images from the pack horse library project which was a real thing. Yeah. So in the time frame between in just the short time frame of Honey's life they went from her mother getting $28 a month which was still good money to honey's getting like 100 bucks a little more than 100 you know a month mm-hmm. um 
but they have a picture of um, Bonnie, or not Bonnie, but someone like Bonnie. Yeah. Woman in the mines, smoking. Because <laughs> you could do that. Um, there's a picture of the Frontier Nursing Services. That's got to be kind of a hard life, too, because yeah. these are, whether you're the, the forestry woman or the Frontier nurse or the miner, uh, um, for the most part, you're, you're either a widow, you're a single woman providing for yourself. In a world that does not think that women have any right to well, on, be taking jobs from men. Books. Yeah, on yeah. the books, Kentucky is against feminism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a picture of the fire tower. Um, y'all can't see this, but you can imagine this. And if you can get a copy of it, if you look up, see. That's you can see. exactly what I imagined it to be. Yeah, like. it is really high up, and it's just this big, long tower. Was it wood to begin with, or just the latter part was wood? Uh, no, the it latter never... was wrought iron. That's, that's why they had to get a welder out to fix it. Oh, that's right. Um, and they, okay, so let's get to the questions. Oh, wait, is that a picture of the of her horse? No, that's somebody else. Never mind, because Kentucky is known for the horses, which is kind of interesting. Okay. Um, so one of the things that that struck me is the cruelty is that um, uh, certain children, if you weren't part, if you didn't have normal, acceptable, honorable, according to society, parents, you if you ever needed to, if if you were an orphan, you were no better than a criminal because you literally went into a prison for children. It was a yeah. children's prison. The sins of your parents, like you it's did like, hard what labor. Did ever do? You oh, know? not only that, but even though she, she was trying, she was trying to get to. She only had like what eighteen months from the time that her parents mm -hmm. were arrested to try to outlive, outrun the law, before she was of age to be considered an adult. However. That would have gotten her to what seventeen or eighteen? Eighteen is what that would she's have gotten her to eight. For. She's yeah. aiming to get to eighteen. However, if they get a hold of her and send her to the children's prison, they will have her till she's twenty-one. Yep. How is that even? It's yeah, like, I didn't, like. I, <laughs> Because age of majority only came along because they were recruiting 18-year-olds. Because 21 was the age of majority for much of the United States until mm -hmm. um, the there was, you know, rumbling of sending 18-year-olds to war. So oh. if you couldn't vote and you didn't have a say, it's kind of like um, not being a part of the representative government. And that's why the age of majority moved to 18. But 21 it, it was adulthood before that. Okay. It's messed up. Is Why should so she have to give three more years of her life? And, and like, go ahead. this, well, the social worker who's so intent on that being her fate, even though she can represent, like, show that she can care for herself. Um, like, why are you so intent on that? She was just hateful. She was this evil person who was so hateful in her prejudice. And I wonder if there was a kickback or something. Yeah, I'm like, are you just trying to meet a quota? I think she or? gets there's a financial incentive to get as many children into. Well, these are labor camps yeah. for children. This yeah. is free labor, not unlike what happens in some of our prison system today. Mm -hmm. You know, we, there are still labor. There is still forced labor happening. Maybe they're not out, you know, on the on the chain gangs. Like it sounded it, like it was. It, gonna be real physical hard yeah. labor yeah then i'm talking about now yeah um but um so 
one of the questions that talks about children, especially rural children, were a valuable commodity to families who needed farm labor without having to pay wages. Society continues to be mostly patriarchal, and during the time in which this novel was set, it was the father who could express emancipation and consent to his child's emancipation. Um, discuss patriarchal laws and the role they have changed or continue to play in shaping women and children's rights and lives. I think about in the book, um, for her fa- for her to be allowed to date, she needed her father's. Pr- um, th- there's a young man, you're right, who was just crazy about her, Francis. but wanted her father's permission. When uh, you know, he, I know Francis was the one who worked in the store. Yeah. Yes. He was trying to get her get her work so she could also work in the store or something like that. Anyway, um, and I mean, she wasn't even. She's just trying to run for her life and trying to stay above the law and hadn't even thought about boys yet. And now here's this boy. Um, I think he was a little too free, <laughs> too a little too. I don't know. I don't know. He like, was a little anxious. He was so cute. He does steal a kiss, which is a big deal. Yeah, but. But it's so sweet. Like he's a nice boy. He is. He like, still when wants he her to get out permission. His his he's cousins with Bunny. Bonnie. That is his familial oh, connection. That's right. And then they have a further back where like Francis's grandfather, I think, gave Blewett away at her wedding because mm, her dad's mm-hmm. dead or something like that. Mm-hmm. So there's this family connection, but Francis and Honey don't know each other till now. Mm. Um yeah, he was a little bit of a whirlwind, but it's sweet. It's very sweet, unlike the other men around Honey and our, our other women. Mm-hmm. His his uh, boisterousness is all good nature. Yeah, and he's re- he is respectful in that he knows he can't really date her until she get, says he she has permission. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Have you asked for? Have you been able to th- talk to your father yet? Can you get permission?" <laughs> I really want to date you. Yeah, it's sweet. sweet. I I think it's sweet. There's that fine line between stalker and sweet. (laughs) Okay, so um, Honey's interactions with a far more sophisticated Pearl show a glimpse into innocence and youth, the old land waking up to modernism creeping in, and the mountain folk caught between their old hard ways and the new advanced world. Though Honey has been well-educated by a bookwoman, Cussie, that's her mother's um, her, in writing, reading, and more, her isolated life has held her back in other ways. Honey's new friend Pearl is far ahead of her with modern gadgets, young men, parties, and drinking. Discuss their differences and the women's strengths and vulnerabilities and their adjustments to the new environments. Blah, 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 blah. Well, <laughs> I mean, Pearl is not super worldly either. She's just a little more. A little bit. She's just a couple. Was she, she a has, year, um, couple years older? She's nineteen. Okay. She has um, like more experience of the world. Uh, she's so. I mean, I guess she's just over three years older. Cause, she's been to movies. Yeah, she's been to movies. <laughs> she's much more of the time of the book. Yeah. That, but she's still a good girl. Um, but I guess for her time, she's extremely modern. She's a young woman living on her own, doing a job that would conventionally have gone to a man. I mean, so I guess she's been to college. Yeah, I mean, of sorts. I think I mean, it's a training program, she, but she still had an education. Yeah. She's been out. She's outside her hometown. She calls her mother. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, she <laughs> uses she uses a phone. <laughs> she knows what pajama parties are. 
<laughs> that is really okay so let's talk about the pajama party because that was re- i thought that was really sweet that was like honey's like i don't even know if i've got pajamas what do i do what i've do never I wear, been to, what do i wear where to a, a pajama, pajama party, party. <laughs> so she puts her she puts a flan an except like a exceptionally not too shabby flannel nighty on under her clothes and goes over to her friend's house and her friend is late getting there and she gets wet in the rain and cold and so her friend's like come on up you know after they figure out why she was late come on upstairs and get warmed up and dried off and she hands her a different dressing gown that's a spare of hers that's like silky and soft and a lot more womanly than a flannel pajama or flannel nightgown and Pearl looks at what she's taken off and she starts laughing at her friend who doesn't know what to do at a, at a pajama party, let alone what to wear to a pajama party. And she, her pride gets hurt because her friend's making fun of the fact she put her flannel nighty on and then her clothes over it and rode over. <laughs> well, I also think Pearl has had... She's been to a... She's been able to go to school. She's had yeah. social connections. Yeah. Um, that Honey could not go to the regular school. Didn't they remember they did? Didn't she go for like a day or something? I don't. Or is that something else? No, no that was a different book. <laughs> well, also she um she does see a conventional high school or school with girls her age there while she's working. Yeah, and she has this longing, which kind of enriches our understanding that she wanted that but couldn't have it, and I, that's her parents' protection in play. Mm-hmm. Um. But she has, but she's never had a girlfriend. Not at all. She's not had the closest connection she had was, um, the was her was the moonshiner's son who they were just buds. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, before I get too far off from that, I thought it was so sweet. <coughs> I mean, the moonsh- moonshiner or whatever danger, danger. What is his name? Is it really Danger Joe? I can't. Jim. Think of, I know danger it's Jim. Jim. It's something Jim. Anyway. Can I look? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and look. Okay. Um, tell, so tell us what you think's interesting. He, he, all, his family cares for for Honey and her family. Was really cared for Honey and her family. Knew that he was limited what in what he could do to look out for her. Couldn't really bring her home to be another mouth to feed. But was Devil John? Devil. Oh, that's it. Devil John. <laughs> Dangerous, uh, Dangerous Jim. Jim. Devil John. I had you sold on Dangerous Jim. Though. I knew it wasn't quite right, but I couldn't correct you because I didn't know any better. <laughs> um, What's it again? Devil John. Devil John. Devil John. Devil John. <laughs> and his son. He's like, no, my son's going to marry. And it's. I thought it was very sweet. His son. Um, her son. His son who was friends was like one of the ways that she could get out of going to the child's prison was either having a, a guardian, which she no longer had or to get married child bride, child bride. And she's like, I've never even been on a date. I don't know anything about boys and I'm, I don't want to get married. And, and you have a girlfriend. Yeah. You don't, she's and, already seen and he's that like, he's in love with somebody else. my dad doesn't know about that. But, yeah. <laughs> But here she here she knows that he doesn't love her. She doesn't want to be in a love. She's barely started her life, and she doesn't. At that point, she had not kissed a boy. Had not kissed a bo- no. She had not kissed a boy, yeah. um, much less she, you know getting married. And she knew she's like, no, I don't want to get married. I don't want to be forced. I want to have choices for my life, and everyone mm-hmm. else around me is trying to make choices for me. Um. But I did appreciate how very sweet the young man was yes. because even though he, he didn't sincere. love her that way, he sincerely was 
afraid that she was going to get sent off and he did not want anything bad to happen to her. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was. Carson was a sweet man. So there was a, one of the questions does talk about child brides and. um, They don't like it. They're a global (laughs) problem that can lead to dangerous and devastating consequences in America. The marriageable age is determined by states. Many still allow child marriages between the ages of 14 to 17 with parental or judicial consent. There are some cases where children have married at age 12 and younger. Whoa, so wrong. Sorry, no way. What are the dangers of being a child bride or groom? Okay, first of all, groom. Gross. Um, So a 16 or 17-year-old girl, I could see that you have the like agency in some circumstances because mm-hmm. like honey has the agency to say no thank you yeah and there there's at 17 you're just a minute away from 18 so is there like a big difference between 17 and 18 and i think there are some 17 year olds who have the agency for that to to be something they agree to anything younger than 16 gross like what is your point you just want a word like you you want a slave and you're into the young people like gross <laughs> you're just looking for domestic help so unpaid domestic labor and at, all that entails so as a side spoiler honey's mother was forced into a marriage oh, to a 54 year old man ew and was that first daddy that was for no no it's not no okay. no we don't know but, first father yet no not yet um, but first father is not love it. Uh, no, no Moffat no. is Moffitt. honey's okay. apparent, er, original parents. So she <sighs> becomes widow. Her mother becomes widow Frazier mm-hmm. the night of her wedding. Oh, <laughs> so, Oof, thank God. Mostly because his ticker gave out. <laughs> Excellent. That is convenient. <laughs> well, gave out after. Oh, so not okay. so convenient, but, um, so there is this, you know, her father wasn't trying, was desperately trying to marry her off because he was sick and he promised his wife that he wouldn't leave her without protection. He thought it was protecting his daughter. Mm. So there's this family thing. Um, well, he wasn't wrong. Women without a man mm-hmm. to stand in the way in their, in this community. But the community are knew she danger. was a blue. And yeah. he was a blue. It was his side of the family that had father the blue. Or... Um, her father. Yes. Mm. Um, well, Honey's grandfather. Okay. So just a little, little something, something there. Yeah. Okay. It's literally a spoiler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So Honey is surprised to find out that Loretta, Retta Adams, had attended one of Kentucky's Moonlight Schools, which is which served the uneducated and the elderly. What do you think it would have been like to learn or teach at a moonlight school? Can you even it, maybe talk a little bit of what what was a moonlight school? Well, I understood it to be a night school held somewhere that people could easily walk to because the community didn't have access to conventional school rooms. So it was going to it's an adult education program. Mhm. Out I don't know, was it outside? I didn't get that. I couldn't tell if it was outside or not. I guess it it they makes they sense. had to walk to it. Yeah. I don't know how how they could have learned to read. By the um, moonlight? I guess by moonlight. So it depends <laughs> on the, by, only when the weather was good. 
Um, so it means it wouldn't have been, it would not have been consistent because there's work and there's life and they all have families and, but it was really interesting that the, cause I don't think she understood that Reddit could read. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Reddit could not read. She couldn't, she couldn't. Because she had blindness. She had blindness. But she was not but illiterate. She, but she was not, yeah. But she had squirreled away a lot of stuff. Remember? Mm -hmm. She had stuff in in the walls. Wasn't that it? Uh, I didn't Where was catch, it? She, she had silver dollars that had her birth year on them. Oh. So uh, Honey thought that that was probably something her father squirreled away for her. But oh. I didn't, I think it was like in a pail or something. Like, yeah. Or in a jar or jug. But it was something that her nephew did not know about, which was good. Because <laughs> it gave her some financial means. Well, um, no, she used that money to bury her and buy the marker. Which ends up being to her credit. Yep. One of the things that speaks to her character yep. when she goes to court that she arranged everything she she's the one who got the frontier nurse she tried to take care of her um uh okay quick question do you are you were you ever into scrapbooking no but those <laughs> books sounded more like um like living like living journals so which is i don't know what that is like people who um like they gather ephemera from their day-to-day -day lives mm. and they make art with that and tell their personal story with that. So what Karen's brought up is that um, FDR actually did not provide any reading materials for the packed course libraries. So to gather, to have something for people to read, the librarians would make their own scrapbooks, which sound wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I was disappointed and both both disappointed and excited that if you want to look at those, you can go to FDR's presidential library and look at them. I, why should he get credit for that? I know. It's like his, it's the program <laughs> that he funded the program, but he okay. didn't like provide for the program. He so if it the had bucks, to be somewhere. Yeah, I guess it was. <laughs> it should be in the individual libraries, I guess, but. Well, I don't know. Like, yeah. there has to be a centralized place to keep this yeah, history. That's true. That's true. Um. It's sad that the WA, WPA program shut down when FDR died because it would be an interesting thing to have. Like, first of all, I think our infrastructure would be better. Arts would be more valued. <laughs> Literacy and education might be more valued. But it's one of the things that expired with him. I only have two more questions. Okay. Um, so... First one, let's discuss the different jobs that Honey, Pearl, Bonnie, did we already talk about the dangers that their individual jobs um, not, not faced? Totally. And what unusual jobs women, what are unusual jobs women hold today versus years ago? Well, a woman can pretty much do anything that she wants to do. Mm -hmm. So let's first have the question. The, what's the difference? So Honey's job was to bring reading materials uh, do the pack horse thing. Mm -hmm. Pearl is the forestry and fire lookout. Mm -hmm. And um, Bonnie is a miner. Which I think of these three professions for, you know, librarian, um, rural educator, forestry agent, and coal miner, 
I think the coal miner probably persists in being a male-dominated job. Yeah, I didn't even know that there were women in the mines now. And I'm sure there are. There I are, just... but it's just not that. I don't know that. When we when I when I went to Line Fort, Kentucky, um, on a on a trip, and we were helping people, um, I never even then I never heard of women in the mines. It even in the eighties. Mining was a man's job. You know, women stayed home, took care of the house. They did everything else. But it was not considered a, a job that women did even then. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amara. I forget. Which one's Amara? Amara is the frontier nurse. Ah, yes. Um, so I think even ner- nursing is, I think, yeah, like you said, Bonnie's is probably the job that of those three, of those three is four. still four. Out of the four, is still un- unusual for a woman to be doing it. Yeah. yeah. Um. But who wants to be a coal miner? It's hard work. Like I know it's family traditions, and it provides work in communities that don't have a lot of other choices. But it's a deadly job. Yeah. And your your black lung is a real thing. I knew someone who, who and you're who was dying from con- that. You're wrecking the countryside too. Like you're wrecking the countryside that you treasure so much. There are so there's it's ugly di- well, there's work doing an ugly job. There's different types of mining. The ugliest part is the strip mining where they're just trashing the outside. Coal mining is deeper in and is more. Yeah, it's, but it has its problems. Like, yeah, infrastructurally. So like, there are cities that collapse. I don't know if that's happened in the U.S., but it happens in the U.K. That they've been so undermined that the this the Towns are collapsing into literally the mines. sinkholing in. Yeah, and isn't it a coal? Might not be a coal mine. It might be an oil um, vein. Is that how oil works? Because <laughs> it's a vein. Coal of... has a vein. Gold has a vein. Somewhere... Silver has a vein. So minerals in it then probably not mm. oil. There's a place in the middle of the U.S. that caught fire and will burn indefinitely. Mm. And people had to leave there. Yeah. <laughs> it's an abandoned city because it's on fire. Wow. Through the mines. So it's a bummer job to me. <laughs> I mean, thank God, because it fuels our electrical um, grid. Mm-hmm. However, it's a bummer. Okay. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry if your family is in coal mining and I have been offensive. Last question. Do you think Honey purposely selected books from her personal collection to empower her women patrons? We never get an answer about that. What books would you select to empower the underserved or disadvantaged in your area and why? Uh, well, this is such an I, interesting question. I love this question. See, I, that's why I saved it for last. <laughs> going to share my social justice project that Kevin planted in my head, but now he doesn't want to do it. All right. So... The Awakening is the book of contention in this story because it's something that she gives to Guy LaBelle. Is it a real book? Yes. I read it. Now, thank you. Freshman reading. I read it in my Catholic high school. What? I never even heard of it And in this book, they're calling it sex fiction. (laughs) Now, it is about sex and it is about women and it is about 
the struggles in a stifling marriage or, or social situation. And it has a seriously bummer ending. <laughs> I can kind of see why the misogynist men in this book would not like their wives reading that. Yes. Please read Kate Chopin's The Awakening. It's, I want to reread it from its, its references in this book. Cause I haven't, I haven't read it since I was in high school. I, I think I read it twice in high school once it was assigned. And then I wanted to do like a, a cheeky comparison contrast essay um about sex and literature when i was in high school and i love this book we don't know whose collection it came from because when the librarian gets questioned about the sex literature she's no. like well in our kentucky library we would not condone no it was her mother it was one of her mother's books it came it from does? her house okay it, it, it does talks about it i didn't catch that she she risked going back home to get that out of her house. All right, I didn't catch that. So it was a private book, mm-hmm. um, and she very thoughtfully has presented it to this woman in a bad marriage. She, how did she even? I, I guess she had already read it. She must have. She must have. Yeah. It was not a big deal in in her family. Well, because um, her mother. This is how I think books should always be. Like, I don't censor most of the media as far as books and movies that my children want. I look into them and I wait till they're like some things I say you're not old enough for. Mm -hmm. But I don't say you can't you can't experience this. I want you to wait till you're ready to experience it. Mm -hmm. So like books shouldn't be censored. Mirabella is 11 years old. If she wanted to read this, which she does not, she can barely get through a graphic novel at this this (laughs) point. Like. If she wanted to read the the awakening, I'd be like, okay, I was gonna buy a copy anyway. <laughs> but let's talk about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess she had read it and knew it was appropriate. What a well, I mean, that's the I I was I had read this book by the time I was Honey's age. Rock on, good good literature exposure. Blip. I I feel like being able to pick literature out for someone else shows a it it shows that you ha- you can't just pick out a book for anybody you don't know you have to get to know that person and i think there's a certain something that she was taught by her mother of how to know people how to listen to people she was a listener she understood other people um and and she knew how to she figured out how to advocate for herself i think growing up her parents must have done drills you know oh yep. they to prepare her for this is what you do in this situation yep. so they did not leave her unprepared um they did all they could knowing that this day would oh, sometime in so happen anyways yeah. yeah the not only the how to flee but how to value herself like um when the doctor says hey you know there's medicines that'll hide that for you she's like no my mom says the medicines are worse than this because it doesn't cause me any pain and i should never feel ashamed of how i look Mm -hmm. um okay i don't know exactly what i would refer for the community but because i kevin and i were talking about how scary it is to be a teacher right now (laughs) Probably forever and always in all of our nation's history, it's been a little scary to be a teacher with ideas. But books are being banned like no other time. Yeah. And even mentioning that the book exists, forget about talking about what it might contain, is dangerous in a lot of places right now. They can't even mention the title? You say the 1619 Project in a school right now, and you're risking your job. Wow. 
So I would like to build a time, and you all can, anyone listening, <laughs> whether or not you stock it with the 1619 or any other stories that tell the true history of our country, um, I would like to build little libraries throughout our community and stock them with these books that are on the firing squad right now mm-hmm. and being banned. So I would like to collect the current banned book list from, I don't know, Texas. LeVar Burton. He tells you all the good stuff to read. And I want to, I want to start building tiny libraries and stocking them with them. Mm -hmm. Maybe just have a banned book library. Yeah. These are the things that people have decided that you cannot read. What does it say about them that they're making that decision for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. there, I think there are some books in this world that have been written with the intent of hurting the world, mm-hmm. and I'm I don't want to experience those books. But but those books are not the ones on the banned book list. No, they're not. <laughs> and there's something to getting into the mind and understanding the mind of someone you don't agree with. But you have to be careful to not let yourself be poisoned by those ideas too. Um, so for most part, I don't believe in censorship. Thoughtful choices in what you expose your brain to. Mm-hmm. Which you could really only decide for yourself. Or someone thoughtfully selecting for you. <laughs> Do you guys want to come over and build tiny libraries? <laughs> Kevin sounds... I got so excited and wild in the eyes. He backed away slowly. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels so grassroots and like totally approachable. And even affordable. Do, do you guys have that in your in your neighborhood where you have a, like the, the, the book box? I don't. And I live across the street from some people. I'd be afraid of what they do to my library. So, oh, yeah. There's so that. that's the other thing. I we were Then we, we got into like what it would really be like. Like you'd probably have to put a ring camera on it so that it is um, observed. Yeah. I, I, yeah, my neighbors would not we would not agree on book choices at all that's well, not necessarily so. for them so and you could put and it right. anywhere like on a little piece of public land even what if you put it like where it were people had a code a code <laughs> you know it was like you put in a code you could like it i don't know maybe it's too selective less community yeah. minded but well thank you for discussing my book with me uh i highly this is fantastic yeah so the book woman of troublesome creek i can't wait to read it it that that isn't i highly suggest that i just it's one of those she told the story so well that you cared about i cared about the characters from the get-go you know there was not a, a a dull moment um I don't think so. If it was, it was so fleeting because the, they moved on to the next thing. Yeah, I would say there was not a dull um, moment. I want, now I want a rooster and I want a mule. I don't want either thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would like chickens right now because eggs are so hard to come by of late, which is so distressing. <laughs> but chickens aren't laying eggs right now because it's too cold outside. That's cold. true. Yeah. Oh, you can, <laughs> you can so, heat their roosts. Well, yeah, I know, but like it's it's tis the season for them to be like it's low on their because yeah. my sister is our egg supply, uh, and she's like, my chickens aren't doing their job right now. I was talking to some friends who keep chickens, and it was like their first year of keeping chickens, and I was curious how it was going for them, and I was like, oh, and they like the I think they got each of their girls a chick, 
and the three chicks were laying chickens were laying more eggs than their family of I don't know if they were five or six at that point, but their large family could eat. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I think we were talking about it in the winter, and they were telling me about how it slowed down, and you could do that, you could get them to lay by um, heating their roost. But there's something wrong to me, like of like ovulate. Yeah, so I can eat your egg. <laughs> want to eat your unformed it's like, babies. It's like, well, it's not fertilized. <laughs> unformed. That's what yeah. Mean. Oh, unformed. I didn't hear that. I'm sorry. Um, it was just mm-hmm. like like the command to make another living creature ovulate so that yeah. I can prosper from it. Yeah. <laughs> it so, just doesn't feel sisterly. Awesome. <laughs> Who is next for our book? Well, what else has anybody read this month? Yeah. Uh, well, as I shared before, I enjoy, I was enjoying some holiday, um, romances. So I guess there's a new romance novelist that I might need to keep reading. Cody Hall. Have you read any of that, Katie? I haven't. I don't think. Um, so she got a deal in 2020 to write three novels for Audible as Audible Originals. And, um, they follow this family that lives in Mistletoe, Idaho, which I do not think is a real place. And there are three children who are adults now born around Christmas. Mm. Nick, Mary, M-E-R-R-Y, and Holly. And each of the three novels tells their love story. And they're all a little different how they fall in love. Like it's um, best friends become lovers. It's um, the quiet boy next door mm-hmm. and the you know energetic um, girl next door. And then the last one is enemies become lovers. And... Um, they're all adorable. All three of them. That sounds fun. So cute. Mm-hmm. So it was um, Nick and Noel. Nick and Noel's holiday playlist was the first one. Um, There's something about Mary, and along came Holly. They're the three, and they are very cute. Um, that's something about Mary. Is that the one they made the movie about? No, it's a wordplay. Oh. And one of the things I'm liking about this author is her books are very much of the time. Like she makes cultural references that are very current and probably won't age well. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's fun especially, to read at the moment. Now. It is. Yeah. And especially um, or maybe they will. Like I keep wondering because the books are fun and the story paces are good and the hot parts are hot and the <laughs> and the and it's all engaging and cute. Um, so maybe they will age well. Who knows? <laughs> um, but uh, she makes she just makes a lot of like current references, especially Nick and Noel's holiday playlist actually has like holiday, like a playlist you could follow mm-hmm. of current music, um, as well as some good older books or older books, older songs. And uh, that is all that I listened to other than this book. Um, I was grateful. I listened to this book, um, The Book Woman's Daughter at 1.25. Like I wasn't making a joke about that when I suggested it mm-hmm. uh, because... And I think it was fine because it's Kentucky people. So, <laughs> just And what I mean by that, Kentucky people, is that in Kentucky, I think they have a slower drawl and pace of speaking. So pacing, it makes it more like California. <laughs> a little bit. Like I did not miss. It didn't feel rushed. Like sometimes when you increase the speed on the books, it's like clip, 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 go, go, go. They sound a little angrier if they nope. have any passion. This in their sounded past. just, just like right. the normal speed I'd like to listen to. <laughs> This is the speed I want to talk to people. I spoke to someone in Mississippi today, and she talked at 
He just wanted to get her words out. (laughs) And it took a while to just know who she wanted to talk to. (laughs) You probably like triple that for normal. Okay, that would make me crazy. Well, I didn't have to have the bulk of the conversation with her. I just had to get her to the right person. So that's what I read lately. Anybody else? Katie, what did you read? I have not read anything. <laughs> okay, keep in mind, we had the holidays. <laughs> yes, a the lot holidays going on. did yep. just happen. And I did not listen to anything until we were flying home um, on New Year's Day. And that book was getting to the hot part. <laughs> and it was like that kind of moment where you don't want your ear, your ear, you know, your You're like double to, checking yeah. if your headphones are <laughs> actually like plugged in. Part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please don't fail me now. Don't <laughs> disconnect now. Okay. <laughs> um, um, I don't know if these are books I started new books, but I know I finished well, three books. We didn't let you talk about the books you were looking forward to, so I bet you did not talk about these books. I did talk about books last time. We you did, but we didn't let you talk about the ones you hadn't read yet. Oh, so just the ones <laughs> you that had, you like, finished. You had like a tall stack of things yeah. you were looking forward oh, to that looked good. Yeah, they're still in my office. Uh, I haven't I haven't started that physical book. I did, so I read I f- finished three books. Rebel Sisters by Tochi Onyebuchi, which is a two-part. There's two books. So this was the second of a sequel, and it's a future uh, Afrofuturism, future set Afrofuturism in uh, Nigeria. Nice. So um, that one was really good. Um, I finished Shadow the Shadowed Sun by N.K. Jemison, which was part of the. Oh, not Grisha Verse, because that's a different author. Um, no, but she has a new book out that was released on the 10th. Th- that was, oh, that one I finished last night. Leigh Bardugo? Oh, Lee Bardugo has a new one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, but I'll talk tell about me that in a minute. Month. Okay. Nope. Yeah, tell the next nope. one. Okay. I can't talk about books I haven't read. That's the that's rule. Right. <laughs> and I finished Kaikei by Vaishnave Patel. Um, and that was really, really good. That sounded interesting when I heard you listening to it. <laughs> yes. I, I have the hardcover. Uh, not the hardcover, but I have the, the paper version if you want to read it. It's right. it's definitely, but I do want it back. I'm <laughs> just, not, you know, you're not allowed to lend me books. I don't treat people's books nicely. Just okay. That's a general, I will highly like, recommend it to you. warning that Anne has to buy her own copy or listen to it on Audible. Gotcha. I did treat my small angels well enough that I gifted it to my mother-in-law. Oh, there you go. <laughs> And she's excited because I phrased it. I think you guys would appreciate how I phrased it. She's the one who gave me her copy of The Witches of New York. And I feel like Small Angels is the same kind of like world I want to go back to and be in again and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I okay. think she's going to like that book. Well, my turn to pick our next book. Um, I found this when I was thumbing through, I think it was an issue of the Ventura Breeze. Hmm, um, right, Breeze! From a while ago. And it is um, a collection of three short stories set in a fictionalized version of Ventura. Um, oh, that sounds fun. I know, and it was on my list of like, I really want to read this. And okay. then I lost that issue of the Breeze and it took me a while to remember what the name of the book was. So I have found it again. Yay. Um, so it is How to Make Paper When the World is Ending by Dallas Woodburn. Um, How to Make Paper When the World is Ending. So the 
Um, little blurb that it has here says, from the award-winning author of the dazzling and magnificent debut novel, The Best Week That Never Happened, comes a luminous new collection of short stories that deftly examines, explores, and reimagines the ghost story, How to Make Paper When the World is Ending. A couple sets off on their first long weekend together with romantic or murderous intentions. <laughs> a recently divorced father attempts to jumpstart his life by performing as John Legend in a Beatles cover band. <laughs> a young woman becomes obsessed with a sweepstakes contest in the wake of her roommate's sudden death. How to Make Paper When the World is Ending features literal ghosts, spiritual ghosts, charming ghosts, ghosts that are dead ends, and ghosts that are still living. The ghosts of what might yet be and the ghosts of what have been. How is each of us shaped by what haunts us? Um, so when I read that blurb in the breeze, I was like, I want to read this book because it sounds exciting and that it's um, a local author and it's um, set in a fictionalized version of the town that we're in, which I thought was pretty cool. What's the author's name again? Dallas Woodburn. Um, and I don't think it's available as an audiobook, sadly. But it is three stor short stories, so I can't imagine it's a very big book. But I have—I don't have a physical copy of it yet. Um, you can probably get that. Get it at you can. I was just looking on their website. You can order it um, from Timber if you want, or um, I think it's available digitally as well. So that is my choice for our next book. Exciting. And I want to uh, remind everybody really quick before we end that we have a Patreon. So if you go to uh, patreon.com slash strings unraveled, you can find out all about our benefits and uh, different tiers. If you want to um, support us in the podcast, we would love to have you over there. Mm -hmm. um, so that's uh, patreon.com slash slash strings unraveled. Um, there's a link in our link tree in our Instagram bio if you want to just click on something and not have to remember that. Um, but I think that's it for us tonight. So we'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you. Bye, Thank everyone. You. Bye. Strings Unraveled is a production of Strings and Things Studio with Anne Leckervin Cazzoli, Katie Von Rader Fraker, and Karen Wilmoth. Recorded and edited by Katie Von Rader Fraker. Find us online at stringsandthingsstudio.com or on Facebook or Instagram at stringsandthingsstudio. You can email us at stringsandthingsinfo at gmail.com. 